Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 16th of November 2015. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On today's show, Hector Bellerin joins us while club legend Lee Dixon is our Arsenal insider. Alan Miller shares some stories about rooming with Alan Smith. It's Adrian Clark previous game against West Brom. Let's kick off with an international weekend review. It was the final international break of 2015 this weekend just gone, so there was no Premier League action to review, but a number of gunners as ever were in action for their respective nations. ArsenalMedia.com's Max Jones joins me now to talk through their progress. Max, how are you doing, pal? Hi, yeah, very well, thank you. Um, we'll start, obviously, with what was a, a very, very harrowing and tough night in Paris with France, obviously, ultimately playing their game against Germany with some shocking scenes happening in and around the stadium and beyond in the French capital as well. So, obviously, our thoughts and prayers and all our support here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast goes out to those involved and to our friends across the channel. But just in terms of the game, Max, we'll start there and Giroud on target again. Yeah, he scored again. Um, you know, he seems to be really benefiting from uh, Karim Benzema's exclusion. Obviously, his, uh, his own personal issues mean that he, yes. he can't be in the, uh, in the squad at the moment. But Giroud's really taken his chance and he scored again. I think that's, that's three goals in his last three games against Manuel Neuer. So uh, that's <laughs> quite an impressive stat. Um, Koscielny also played the full 90 minutes and uh, helped them to keep a clean sheet. Another solid performance from him at the back. And uh, it looks like both of them could play against England on Tuesday. So... Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to see them back in London, back safe in London yes. and playing football again. Absolutely. And that game, of course, going ahead as well, which is fantastic news. And all the best to everybody involved, of course, on what should be a very poignant night and a great show of support and solidarity. Um, Max, let's move on to Spain next, of course, who played England last Friday and uh, the Gunners goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, I imagine most of our listeners would have seen the, uh, would have seen the game as England fans. But Santi, with... You know, another pr impressive performance for, for his country. I mean, we're, we're not really used to seeing him playing in a more advanced position for us, but it's always quite exciting to watch him play that role for Spain and obviously scored as well. I mean, I think Mario with the, with the first goal is getting lots of praise for his finish, a really good acrobatic goal, but 
you know, Santis was equally as good. He just kind of passed it into yeah. the corner and yeah it's a great finish so if you haven't seen that definitely worth watching yeah really precise shot just into the corner of the net and obviously given the fact he'd been ill and going off at half time for Arsenal just the week before it was quite a turnaround yeah absolutely well, well yeah good good to have him back yeah absolutely so Santi Cathola having a really really good Friday night a um, couple of others we should talk about as well Max uh, interesting this Alexis Sanchez v David Ospina of course it was uh, Chile against Colombia wasn't it yeah I mean Alexis just keeps playing doesn't he <laughs> doesn't seem to <laughs> need that break. Um, yeah, he played the full 90 minutes of, uh, of Chile's World Cup qualifying draw against, against Colombia. Uh, David Ospina on the, other, on the other end, of course. Um, Arturo Vidal gave Chile the lead, but James Rodriguez equalised, so quite a few big stars on show in that game. No Sanchez goal past Espina, though, or any brilliant Sanchez saves from Espina. But no, really, really good stuff. Uh, and let's finish off with uh, Peter Cech, because uh, there was a huge landmark that he was hoping to achieve for the Czech Republic, but it, it hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, had he played both games um, in this international break, he would have broken Karel Paborski's all-time appearance record of 118. As it stands, he's still stuck on uh, 117 because he didn't play in Czech Republic's 4-1 win against Serbia. However, he could still equal it if he plays against Poland on Tuesday. So let's hope for that. But Although it's, beat it now to at least March. Well, guess, it's, it's going to be a long wait for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll definitely break the record. Yeah, I think you're probably right, Max. Brilliant stuff. Thanks very much indeed for rounding up all of our gunners away on international duty. Thanks for having me. I'm Marcel Wenger, and you're listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hector Bellerin has enjoyed a meteoric rise to the first team over the past 12 months. He's been one of the true success stories of the past season and a half. And if he carries on this remarkable form, we could well see him in the Spanish national team before long already. Well, Hector has been speaking to Arsenal Media's Nick Brumsack. When it comes to stats and things like that, are you the sort of player who's keen to know your numbers? Will you always get into the analytics guys and, and want to know how you've done? Well, I think um, nowadays there's a lot of uh, numbers going around in, in football. You know, people love uh, watching stats, see like, which players better comparing the stats. But I think sometimes the stats are a bit um, unrealistic, you know, for the fact that, for example, when we won Bayern, when we beat Bayern at home, they had, I don't know, what percentage of, uh, of possession and we had less and then we end up winning. So sometimes numbers are not, are not as real as people think. But um, of course, when it comes to your performance, you always want to have a look and see if you've run a lot or if you run less than the other game, why did you do that? Because you always want to better yourself, you know, and especially in the Premier League and football overall, I think it's getting much physical now than before. So it's important that them numbers as well help you to see where you are and where the best are and if you want to be with the best what what do you need to do to better yourself when you're in that time when you're training every day were there ever temptations to go out especially when you're a teenager and all your, your mates might be um yeah there's always temptations especially obviously when when you're so young and you see all your friends that uh, they start going to parties or they start they go a birthday and stuff like that and you think well i got a game on the weekend and you're so young and you know you don't think that maybe in five years or in seven years you're going to be playing in the Premier League. That's not in your head back then, you know. You're just you're young and you want to enjoy life. But to be honest, I've always had a lot of um, my family. They've always put me in the, in the right path, you know. When when moments I was saying to, to my parents, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. They're like, Hector, you got a game on the weekend, you're not going to do it. They wouldn't let me. And, and now, you know, I have to say thank you to them because... 
thanks to the education that they gave me back then and, and all that wisdom now is, is worked out for me. So, you know, there were temptations, but then they've always kept me in the, in the right way. When you first came here, um, a lot of the boys that were in the same team of you have gone on and left. Uh, with the exception of John, who I know you still speak to quite a lot, are you still in touch with any of them at all? Yeah, it's always it's always nice because well nowadays we have uh, social networks which you can keep in contact with uh, with a lot of people and uh, maybe not um, not as much as as um, like talking every day or stuff like that. But it's nice when when you have a good performance or after a big win, you always see on Twitter or Facebook players they used to play with and tell you, oh, Hector, great performance or stuff like that. Or even if um, I've, I've seen some around London or people that just pop out on my WhatsApp and say, oh, how you been doing? I've seen you doing very well and that. And, and that's nice to see, you know, because uh, that, that people still remember you and you remember them because uh, I think that's one of the best things about football that it's not only about um, what happens on the pitch. There's a lot of things going on outside and and the friendships you make outside is one of the one of the things that you always keep there forever. So I do keep in contact with uh, with most of them. Yeah. Are there any in particular who you, you get on with particularly well or? Well, I remember, for example, from here for Arsenal um, with AJ Anthony Jeffrey. There, it was one of the the players that we came together as scholars. You know, mm. I've, I've spoken to him a few times, and and always when there's a big win and stuff like that, I always see a tweet of him saying, "I oh, I'm I'm so happy." Um, Reese Charles Cook, which is a um, a Coventry now, and I, I've seen him a few times since then, and. And also around the social networks, I speak to him, Ben Glasgow. I don't know. I could name, I could name most of them, and and it's nice, you know, that even like that you, you don't speak to them every day, but if you see him once, it's like there's a there's a straight bond in in between each other, and and that's something that only football can can give you. You can read more about Hector Bellerin in December's Arsenal magazine, which is available from this coming Thursday, the 19th of November. So let's move on from Arsenal's current right back to a legendary one. Going to speak to Lee Dixon. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Lee Dixon played 619 games for Arsenal over 14 years for the club, and he is our Arsenal insider this week. Lee, great to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Not too bad at all. Excellent stuff. Um, we've just been talking about Hector Bellerin, so I think we'll just start there, if you don't mind, and your take, obviously, as a former right-back on uh, a very exciting current Arsenal right-back. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's, um, he's, taken, the, uh, he's taken his chance better than everybody thought I think uh, I did speak to um, Steve Boulder way back when uh, there was a, a few issues at right back and who was going to play and Hector hadn't quite had his chance yet and um, he sort of had, played a couple of games and and Steve was still quite reserved on his um, on his ability to be able to hold that position down but he got his chance through injury and um, got into the side and um, and he's never looked back to be fair to him he's He's done way better than uh, perhaps a lot of people thought. Although he's, um, he catches the eye because of his, um, his his speed, which is astonishing when you see him in full flow. So uh, very envious of that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's learning the game, and that's the important thing. I think he's still, you know, still a young lad. He's got a long way to go. When you actually sit down and analyse his game on a, on a weekly basis. He's doing very well indeed, but there's, there's still areas of his game that he's got to improve on, and that's only natural being so young. So as long as he keeps keeps learning, um, 
and and obviously that helps being in the first team every week. He's going to learn in the uh, in the Premier League faster than than most. Just looking a bit more widely, Lee, obviously Arsenal starts to the season and obviously hoping to kick on from here and, and particularly in the Barclays Premier League, really continue to push for some title success. What have you made of what you've seen so far? Yeah, I think every year you always look at um, to see an improvement in any side um, and certainly, you know, being an ex-player and, and the club's very... Um, I'm very fond of the club and it's a big part of my life. You kind of look at Arsenal a little bit more maybe in detail than other clubs because you care about them so much. So that's been the case with me and um, I tend to be a little bit um, over-critical at times because I want them to do well and I want them to win everything and every game they play in. So sometimes when I sit down and analyse, I have to realise that um, you know I am an ex-player and, and perhaps... Um, to give them a little bit more credit than, than sometimes uh, happens. So I, I think there's, there's definitely been an improvement. I still think there's, um, you know, I, I want them to be perfect and, and they're not perfect by any means. They're very attack-minded, as we know, and getting that balance between going forward and, and defending as a team. And I don't just mean the back four, defending as a team and having a defensive plan and a mentality that's the that's the little key ingredients that I think still missing from this side so um yes when we've got the ball um and and a lot of the time when we haven't got the ball we we are we are a very formidable side and that's shown in the results we've had so far and you know defensively with the clean the clean sheet and goals against record is still good but I, as I said I want perfection so um I tend to look at the, the games that we get beaten and how we get beat um, and certainly um, playing against one of the best sides in the world in Bayern Munich showed up a lot of frailties away from home. And that's the thing we need to work on is how to win the ball back, where to win the ball back and which area of the pitch and having a plan that everybody sticks to and everybody knows what's doing. And I think that's the only thing really that's missing out of this side. Obviously, your analytical mind uh, speaking through there, working for NBC now, don't you, as part of their coverage, massive coverage out in the States. Um, mm. How have you found that and, and, and the differences and, and I guess the excitement of all of that as well? Well, it's been absolutely um, brilliant for me because it's, it's given me another opportunity to, to, um, to do something a little bit different. I mean, I'm, I'm, I do have done co-commentary before, but... I do co-commentaries for NBC, um, so I'm actually at the games and broadcasting back to to, um, to the East Coast in America. So there's a studio over there that does all the analytical side of things. So it's, it's another string to my bow and uh, it gives me a different way of looking at games because you're actually involved in the game, talking about stuff as it's going on. So mm. um, and, and NBC has been a great company to work for. We've We've been going for, this is our third season now and we've just, secured the rights for another six years, which is unprecedented, really, to, for the Premier League to give a deal like that away to a, an overseas broadcaster. So it's a fantastic opportunity to carry on that work. And um, and they, they put on a great show. You know, the, you know, the Americans are very enthusiastic in everything they do, and that's no different. Although we are a, a pretty much, apart from Kyle Martino, who used to play for the national side, pretty much an English um, or British broadcasting team, really. We've got... Um, Graham Lasso helps me out in co-coms when I'm not working, and Arlo White who used to work for the BBC. So that's all. The, we're all English on this side of the pond, and, <laughs> and similarly over there, we've got. Um, I'm sure listeners will remember um, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl who do the presenting from uh, from Stamford in Connecticut. So 
it's really good fun and um I think I think the, the it's been different because they broadcast in a different way and been talking to a obviously there's a lot of expats over in in America anyway so there's a lot of English people watching the game who who know the game from that that side of things but there's also a lot of um new listeners new Americans and, and watchers who are perhaps learning the nuances of of Premier League football so your kind of commentary is we're, we're very English in our commentary and British, sorry British in our commentary, and as much as we don't use the American um, uh, words for mm. you know <laughs> soccer and things like that, we we um, we broadcast as if we're broadcasting over here. But there's a slight difference how you how you explain things um, because it's like what's like you watching American football. You quite, perhaps don't know the intricacies of the game, so. The commentator is a little bit more um, expl- explaining to do, which I, I find really interesting. Yeah, it makes you actually assess the game and Absolutely, your own views yeah. on it even more. I, no, I completely agree with you there, Lisa. Just one more on this side of things. Obviously, football is big in the States. We know that. Mm. It's growing, isn't it? And NBC have so many different channels when the Premier League's on, showing different games all around uh, their network, which is great. So yeah. I just wonder what the potential end goal in terms of the growth of the sport could be. Well, that's the you know that's the idea. When NBC got the contract three years ago, they decided to to go big and make it um, a big production from their point of view. And they've and the the viewing figures that they've had over there are, are through the roof. You know, they've um, <coughs> excuse me, they've increased viewing figures throughout uh, America, and we get some big audiences for them. I mean, it won't sound very big if you talk, if you said what they were here, but based on the fact that it's a minority sport, if you like, over there. They've been hugely encouraged by that, and that's encouraged them to spend nearly a billion dollars on the next contract for six years. So it just shows what they think of it and how the game is growing over there. And I think from as far as the Premier League um, concerned and the clubs in the Premier League, they realise that market. We've got lots of um, American owners in the game here. And so building the brand over in America is, is, is very important for the clubs here, and they've they realise that and, get, and give, give NBC um, superb access to their players, to their clubs. They're doing a lot of... Um I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Documentaries and, and uh, films about the club's NBC, so they see the benefit in that, and so access has been absolutely brilliant, and um, managers have been talking to us on conference calls each week, and it's astonishing, really, the difference and, and the fact that you can watch any single game, any Premier League game on one of the NBC channels every Saturday um, just shows how, how, how um, popular it is. Very nice. Let's just finish, if we can, back to Arsenal, Lee. And it's a bit of a broad question and one I'm sure you've been asked before, but perhaps a couple of your favourite memories and your favourite mm. stories from all of your time and, of course, all of your successes uh, here, here at the club. Well, as you can imagine, I do some Legends tours at the club still today. And um, the first question that we always do Q&As, and I said to people when I see them, I said, you know, we're not going to bump in, into each other down the street very often. So this is your chance to ask any question to me you like, and I'll be as honest as I possibly can. And nearly always the question, the questions that come up is the same as you've just, what's your favourite moment, the, the highlight that stands out? And I was lucky enough to win quite a few trophies at the club, but the one that always stands out is the first one at Anfield in, in 89 um, and the Michael Thomas goal in the last minute and, mm. and winning 2-0 there. I, it kind of did the big thing early on. That was my first full season at the club. So to, to win the league um, in that year was both a surprise and a joy. I think we, we kind of won, we should have won the league a few weeks before and then kind of tried to throw it away with the, a draw at home to Derby and lo- uh, sorry, lo- losing to Derby and drawing to Wimbledon in the last couple of games. So that that meant we had to go to Anfield and win two 0 So and then we won it as uh, you know, and history would suggest that that was probably the, the, it won't happen again that way. So <laughs> um, it was an astonishing night and and one I'll never forget. And I think after that it was yes, we you know the double in '98. I think was possibly the best team that I played in at the club and I, I have arguments now with my younger Arsenal friends who, who obviously remember the 2004 un, un, undefeated, unbeatable uh, season but I still think and I'm obviously slightly biased but <laughs> I still think that that 98 team would, would probably if we played the 2004 team maybe 10 times I think we'd win we'd beat them more than they beat us so um, it's an argument that can't be won but um, I'm sure many of people have had it and based on the fact that I played in that team and I, and I watched obviously the 2004 team I just think we'd have the edge defensively and um, and it'd be a great game to watch so we'd sell tickets for that one wouldn't we I'd pay to watch that definitely <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah so um, so they're the two the, the 98 season and the two and the, sorry the 89 single game are probably the two that stand out for me and um and the other question that everybody asks me is, who's the best player I've ever played with? And without, before they've even finished the question, they always say Dennis Burkamp. So that's, um, and, and, and actually most of my other teammates, including Thierry Henry, always say Dennis Burkamp as well. So I think that just shows what a, a quality individual player he was. Yeah, high praise indeed. Lee Dixon, thank you so much for coming on to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. And my, really my good pleasure. to get your insight and we really appreciate it, mate. My pleasure. Now, Lee played alongside Alan Smith for many years, and Alan is the subject of this week's history lesson. And it's Adams put through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or 
Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, a great goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 21st of November 1962, Alan Smith was born in Worcestershire. Smudger, as he was affectionately christened by the fans, joined the club from Leicester City in 1987 and scored 16 goals in his first full season with the club, including one in the Littlewoods Cup final defeat to Luton Town at Wembley. But it was in his second season where Smith excelled, scoring 25 goals as the Gunners won the league championship in the dying seconds against Liverpool. Here he is, remembering scoring the opener on that historic night at Anfield. So it's all going according to plan, lads. All we need to do is get a goal, you know, whenever, and then we've only got to get one more, so just make sure you keep a clean sheet. Into Burn and Richardson behind it. Adams has made a darting little run in there. And Smith! And Arsenal have scored. The Liverpool players are surrounding the referee, asking him to speak to a linesman. I've spoken to some of the Liverpool lads since, Steve Nicholl and Ronnie Whelan, and... Um, I always say, well, what were you appealing about? And they said, well, we thought it was either offside or you didn't touch it. So we just thought we'd try our luck, you know. One of the most frequently asked questions people ask me is, did you touch it? And I always say, yeah, I did, I got a good touch. It was just the fact that the, uh, the flight of the ball didn't change all that much. I just helped it on its way. It was quite tense when they surrounded the ref and the ref went over to the linesman. And, you know, it was quite intimidating because you had the likes of Ronnie Whelan balling in their ear and trying to influence them. So when the ref pointed to the centre circle, that was, you know, a great moment of relief. Ronnie Whelan looking on there. The goal's been given. And what a game we have now. After a disappointing 1989-90 season, Allen would score 27 goals as Arsenal regained the First Division Championship in 1991. But it was another goal toward the end of his career that would announce Arsenal as a major force in Europe as the Gunners beat Palmer in the 1994 European Cup Winners' Cup final. Dixon. Dixon again. That's a Minotti with the acrobatics. It falls for Smith. In our favour, that back four at the time, I mean, Tony always says that that was the pinnacle of their, you know, effectiveness, if you like. Uh, only AC Milan's back four, he felt, could rival them. And once I scored, it was all about the back four, you know. We'd, we'd get it up to me and, and I'd hold it, but not for very long, it'd come back again. And, um, and they were just awesome that night. Uh, and it, it was just... I just remember going out for the warm-up and the whole place... It was a bit like Highbury, wasn't it, the Parkin Stadium? Yeah. It had those dimensions, but it was just full of red and white scarves. Yeah. And there was there a little, 30 Palmer little pocket of Palmer fans. And we thought, fool, we'll have a bit of this, you know. It feels like home. Um, and it just it was just it was just a perfect night. Um, I remember training on the pitch the night before as well and they'd got the podium up 
and it was decorated with the Palmer colours. And we thought, that's not right, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? But what we didn't know, on the other side of the podium, it had the Arsenal colours, we just didn't see the other side. So that, that wound us up as well, but fantastic. In scoring two of the most important goals in the club's history, Smudgett would go down as an all-time great. He retired from the game at the end of the 1995 season, having played 347 games and scored 115 goals in eight years for the club. He can still be regularly seen at the Emirates Stadium today in his current job at Sky Sports. And now a man who knew Alan well was his former away day roommate. That's Alan Miller, and we'll talk to him next. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Alan Miller was at Arsenal for 10 years and played alongside Alan Smith. Alan, great to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast, mate. How are you getting on? Very, very well yourself. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks very much indeed. Of course, you regularly roomed with Alan and, of course, did so for the Cup Winners' Cup final in 1994, for example. So tell us about the celebrations there and just your general memories of having Alan as your roomie. I just we soon to hit it off. Um, obviously, soon as he came to the club, um, he became a very good friend of mine and um, he was... He was great to have as a room partner, um, a lovely bloke, uh, and all that stuff. And just the, I remember uh, I was a, there wasn't any good substitute goalkeepers uh, when we won at Anfield in '89. But '94, obviously, things changed with the Premier League. And he, although the, I mean, it was a fantastic journey on the way back from Anfield. But I do remember sitting on the plane with Alan after obviously rooming with him, and then him scoring um, with a glass of champagne. It was just, uh, it was a tremendous journey back because. Both Anfield and that uh, final, really, we, we were very much the underdogs. That was very satisfying. He was a very happy chappy on the way back. And quite a quiet lad, I think, when he first joined the club, but I presume he uh, opened up and eased up a bit. Yeah, I mean, he was really. I think, uh, if I remember rightly, he, he stayed at, he signed and stayed at Leicester to try to help him uh, from relegation. But when he came, he was, you've got to remember back then there was a lot of big egos at the club with Charlie Nicholas and Viv Anderson's, uh, people like that. <laughs> so you, you, you can't, they sort of bring you out your shell anyway, which is probably a good thing for him, to be honest. But um, no, he, he, if you remember on the night as well, um, if you think back to the injuries and suspensions we had, if you, if you look at the game again, when he used to you know, hold the ball up front for, for us, um, his performance on the night was, was immense and that obviously capped it off with a goal. Now, you mentioned, obviously, how you were a goalkeeper and a sub-goalkeeper as well. And uh, here's one for the uh, history books and the annals of time. The first Arsenal substitute goalkeeper to be used in sort of professional competition. It's a, a great accolade and, and quite a story to tell, I'd have thought. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I didn't realise at the time. It was only when someone mentioned it uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was on Wikipedia and stuff like that. But uh, I remember the evening because it was... Um, Ellen Road, and it was pouring with rain. It was an awful night. And um, I remember warming up, and one of my idols at the time, Mervyn Day, was a substitute keeper at uh, Leeds at the time. And he turned around to me and said, you wouldn't fancy coming on this evening, would you? I went, not really. And uh, <laughs> ten minutes later, I warmed up at half-time, and I think David obviously had a, was, had a problem and, and came off. I thought, it was unfortunate because we lost the game uh, that night. was one all down anyway. But I remember coming back on the coach and thinking, well, whatever happens in my life, I play for Arsenal. So that was... Uh, for me, I wasn't too disappointed, but uh, with the result, obviously. But um, it was a great thing. It was a great thing to do. And just finally, obviously, I'd love to get your thoughts on the current goalkeeping crop at Arsenal. We've seen Peter Cech be bought and do outstandingly well, haven't we? And then David Espina is there. We've got Wojciech Szczesny still owned by the club and out at Roma. Young Emi Martinez coming through on loan at Wolves. There's, there's a good crop, isn't there? All based now around a, a real top-class number one. There is. I mean, uh, I think he's a... A brilliant addition, uh, and just at the right time for Arsenal. He's a great keeper. He reminds me, he's got a presence about him, um, like David Seaman had, to be honest. Um, he, he's respected, he's done a lot in football, 
and he's just, you know, he's a great, he's a great addition. Um, I just hope hopefully in the January transfer window we can get another couple of outfield players as well. Um, and it looks good. I mean, I was at the training ground the other day and um, watched a bit of the training with Jerry Payton was taking the keepers. And, and uh, in that aspect of the uh, football club, looks fantastic at the moment. And of course, an all-new training ground since you were there as well. It is. I mean, we used to train at London Colony, which which was, which was good at its time and its, in its day, uh, which obviously what we've got now. But I took uh, I worked for a stately home called Holcomb Hall in Norfolk, and um, I took down the head landscaper and manager of the landscaping department just to look at the drainage with Steve Braddock, who's been there 27 years. It's incredible. Um, and the facilities and the, the surface, well, all 12 pieces, were in, they, couldn't, they couldn't believe it. So uh, that was very, very interesting. But it just shows you how things have come on for the better, to be honest. Yeah, all the best as a result, hopefully, for the Gunners on the field as well. Alan, thank you very much indeed for coming on the Arsenal Weekly podcast and uh, great insight. We really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Well, the Gunners are back in Premier League action this Saturday with a trip to the Hawthorns, my old neck of the woods, to face West Bromwich Albion. Adrian Clark will be in the match day show hot seat from 2.30. And Adrian joins us on the phone now. Aid, I think you've got the builders in, so you're not here in the studio. What's going on? No, yeah, no, just getting a bit of work done at the house. So, um, yeah, not in the studio today. Um, you know, missing it badly, of course. And obviously they're adding yet another wing to Clark Towers, I presume. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, West Brom, comfortably mid-table at the moment. Home form, not great, though. Just the one win, I think, at the Hawthorns compared to three away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've been really, really solid on their travels, West Bromwich Albion. But at the Hawthorns, they have had some tough games, it has to be said. they got a good nil-nil with Southampton. Um, and they've been involved in some thrillers. At the Hawthorns already this season. Chelsea won 3-2 there. Everton won 3-2 there. And Leicester did as well. So, so yeah, they, they, it's been strange, really, because they've been very entertaining in a way on home turf. But away from home, they've set out to, to be very, very tight and it's proven an effective tactic. You look at a player like Saido Berahino, obviously highly rated, very talented, potentially problematic clearly a danger man but that's of course if he plays and that is a bit of a question isn't it this season yeah and where does he play that's, that's the issue for Tony Pulis because he's got Solomon Rondon up front he seems to be the preferred choice at the moment and I just cannot see him starting with two strikers against Arsenal I, I just don't envisage that happening he's featured on the wing and I just don't think that really suits Berahino's game I'm, a, I'm an admirer of him I think he's, he's a terrific talent he makes great runs and, and, and there's got a good finish on him too. He's, he's scored some excellent goals in recent seasons. If he, if he does start, I'd be wary of him, no doubt about that. But, but the way that Poulis sets his team up at the moment doesn't seem like there's a place for him. So how do you think West Bromwich Albion will look to exploit Arsenal? I think they'll look to, to hurt Arsenal in the usual way that Tony Poulis does. He'll look to be aggressive, try and... Um, knock Arsenal out of their rhythm. Their pieces will be hugely important. They've got an awful lot of big players at West Bromwich Albion, although Gareth McCauley got sent off Sydney last time out at Old Trafford, so they'll miss his height from set place. They've got some good players out wide that, that deliver good crosses. Um, Chris Brunt, if he's fit, is a talent in that regard. James Morrison, Sessegnon, you've got McLean, uh, McManaman, the former Wigan player. They've got a lot of guys that like to just um, shift the ball onto their favourite foot and whip a real quality delivery into the box. That's something Arsenal will have to do well against. And 
my advice would be to stop it at source, to, to really press West Bromwich Albion's wide players, make sure those balls don't get fizzed across the area. OK, so that's what the baggies might do to the Gunners. What about Arsenal and how they can damage West Brom? Well, speed kills, doesn't it, in professional football. And, and Arsenal have destroyed a lot of sides this year and in previous years with, with, their, with their pace and with their, their, their speed of thought as much as anything. And, and when I look at the West Brom rear guard, it's big, it's tall, it's strong, it's physical, but a tad cumbersome. Remember, the Match Day Show kicks off from 2.30pm UK time this Saturday. Log on to Arsenal.com and the Arsenal mobile app for all the build-up and then uninterrupted audio commentary of the big game. That's full time on this week's show. My thanks to Hector Bellerin, Lee Dixon, Alan Miller, Adrian Clark, and to Max Jones for all their contributions today. Remember, you can tweet your questions to the podcast by using the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. And remember, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button on iTunes, do so and you'll never miss another episode. We're back on Monday, the 23rd of November. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you got us. Thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.